This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Travis Bronner. And we are going on to part two of When We Go, uh, where we're talking about missions. Uh, Ted led in last week and uh, the week before talked about the Great Commission, going and making disciples and how uh, we are called as followers of Jesus to go and make disciples. Last week we talked some specifically about some missions. Um, and as a matter of fact, we have a group as we speak in uh, Kenya, in Mubasa, Kenya. And if you don't know where that is, it's right on the eastern coast of Africa. And they are there doing uh, some uh, service projects through MANA Worldwide at a school and a feeding center there. And uh, so far have had great safety and success in the things that they're doing. And it's, it's fun hearing back from Ted. Um, the ministry that takes place, you know, marriage and family is in our DNA as a church. And um, uh, there are other missionaries that are there with them at that place and the way that uh, our people are getting to pour into the marriages and the families of the missionaries that are out doing God's work full-time in other countries is pretty neat to see the way that God is using you, Woodland Hills, um, to uh, the ends of the earth, truly. But this next picture is a picture of the school that they are at currently. So continue to pray for them. We're grateful for uh, what's going on and what they're doing there and uh, for their safe return this week. So today I want to walk you through some things uh, with our missions here at Woodland Hills Family Church. And uh, the first thing I want to share with you is something you, you have heard before at some point, most likely, if not in starting point, then through one of the messages. Um, but that is that our, our top-line budget at Woodland Hills uh, is 90% of previous year's giving. So we, Jim Sedlicek is a former elder. He's gone to be with the Lord now, and he helped put that in place where, as most organizations and companies will project, here was income from previous years, here's the pattern, and next year we're going to budget for this amount. Uh, whereas here, with the 90% rule, we're retroactively budgeting off of what uh, previous years have been. And what that does is create margin, and margin is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, it has helped us to do so many things that we didn't expect that we would get to do. Um, then from that, 13% of all that comes into Woodland Hills Family Church goes to missions, and that's the top-line number uh, for missions at Woodland Hills. That goes to our ongoing support, uh, ministries that we support on a monthly basis, and also because of margin that we create, and that budget allows us to give one-time gifts and supports and do other things uh, in ministry uh, that otherwise we wouldn't be able to. And so that is just kind of practically speaking uh, how we budget as far as missions go. Um, I want to give you now a few of our guiding principles for missions at Woodland Hills uh, because we need guidelines if we're going to be as purposeful, efficient, and effective as we can be and and some strategies to go along with that. And so uh, here are the the basics of our, our guiding principles at Woodland Hills with missions. First of all, our mission support, we balance geographically through local, national, and international. Local, national, and international. Local so that we don't overlook needs that are right in front of us, uh, right beneath our nose, right? National because we live in this country and feel like we have an easier time and can and should reach those uh, within our country. And then international because we are called to go to the ends of the earth. Now, the needs that are right in front of us, I want to be clear, this is not uh, benevolence. So we have our uh, benevolence fund, which is a separate fund, which meets the physical needs of those in our church family here at Woodland Hills. And uh, you've heard about that before, that, uh, that we meet needs with electric bills and sometimes rent 
sometimes medical bills, other, other things where for whatever reason, circumstances have come up um, and people in your church family need help. That's a separate deal. We're talking about local ministry when we talk about local, national, and international outside of our church. Now, as far as local goes, uh, a few of those, for example, number one is care for kids. Care for Kids is a ministry in town that meets the physical needs of students in Stone and Taney County. There are 14 school districts within the two counties, and uh, Care for Kids provides funds so that teachers, administrators, uh, counselors, and others within the school system can see a child with a need, a coat, a backpack, maybe food, maybe health care or dental care. They see a need because they're the ones that are going to see the needs directly with those kids. And they have uh, finances, they have uh, resources available through Care for Kids that just meet the need. And, and so you participate in that, Woodland Hills, um, and it is, as a matter of fact, the single uh, largest recipient um, of funds from missions from Woodland Hills. And you should know that, uh, once again, this month, it's every July, that uh, after an entire year of setting back funds for this check, you, you just sent a check for $60,000 to care for kids uh, to meet those needs. And so that's why you hear week in and week out, thank you for your generosity. And you're gonna hear several others today that, that really I hope encourage you as we say thank you for your generosity, it meets many needs. You're gonna hear some of those today. Uh, other local ministries, uh, we, we support ministry that disciples educators and youth in our area. Uh, ministries that are involved in crisis pregnancy centers, and also homeless ministries. And so those are just some examples of the, the local ministry that we support, that you support. National, uh, there are ministries that are involved in college discipleship, prison ministry, uh, pastor crisis ministry. Many of you uh, may remember Jimmy Dodd, who I believe is going to be here uh, again, um, but uh, uh, is the leader of Pastor Serve and helps support uh, uh, pastors in crisis in their lives, in their marriage, in their ministry, and uh, because we know that that can be a stressful thing and we want them to continue to do the Lord's work. So uh, in our national ministry, um, uh, we support that. Also Native American ministry. Uh, we support ministry that goes to different tribes across the nation, discipling and uh, ministering to young people within different uh, Native American tribes. And so that's our national uh, ministry uh, in a nutshell. Then we have international, and we're going to talk about some of these today. Uh, specifically, we talked about uh, some of them a little bit last week. So with that, then we have strategies uh, for approaching ministry within missions. And you also know that Scripture is our primary source of truth here at Woodland Hills. And so when we're devising any kind of strategy, we're going to look to our primary source of truth so as to how we should carry out uh, ministry through missions. And first, we're going to look at Matthew 25, 37 through 40, which says, Lord, and this is at the final judgment, Jesus speaking to the righteous, those who have been judged righteous. They will say, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And so there's one of our strategies, one of our guiding principles is the least of these. We know the golden rule, right? Matthew 7, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And what we read in this final judgment passage is, is Jesus saying, do unto others as you would do unto to me, unto him. And he says, any of these that you did not do these things for, you did not do for me, as he's judging the unrighteous. So that's one. Next is James 1.27 
which says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And so we're seeing another population here that we're being directed to um, that uh, really that paired with the Matthew 25 final judgment, we're really reading about marginalized people. Marginalized people. And when we think marginalized, we think kind of on the outskirts, right? Kind of outside of society. And they can be marginalized in many ways. And, and oftentimes when we think marginalized, we think of, of material poverty. And, and that is a type of poverty. But as we are considering marginalized, marginalized people and those that we need to be serving in missions, we, we have to understand there are, are lots of different types of poverty, not just material poverty. That is a thing, of course. You can see it. It's easy. There's, there's the, those that can't uh, get access to food and shelter and clothing and protection and basic health care. And that's one type of poverty. But there's also relational poverty. Those that, that truly are lonely, that have been outcast for one reason or another because of something they've done or even sometimes just because of who they are. There's emotional poverty. Those that uh, rarely get to experience joy. And, and the, the, the situation I think of most is the human trafficking scene and that world and the darkness that is in that world. And that's just one of them. There are many others, but those that are, that are caught oftentimes involuntarily in that world. And they are suffering from emotional poverty. And then probably the most important of all is spiritual poverty. Those who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ted gave us some numbers last week of those who have not heard uh, the gospel of Christ and some who don't have access to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is why we go. And that is why spiritual poverty is the one we're most concerned about. That is why Matthew 28, 19, the Great Commission is so important in our strategy. It says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, this is the umbrella under which all of the other strategies sit. Because we can give someone food, we can give them shelter, we can give them health care, we can give them any number of things. But if we're not addressing their eternal need of spiritual security, then we've missed the point. So everything that we do, everything that we support, is clothed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the most important. Another one of our core values uh, that fits into the strategies with missions is our, uh, the five purposes, which are the five purposes for you as an individual follower of Christ and also for us as a church. And they are worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and evangelism. This really is the lens through which we see the missions work. And, and we try to stay balanced in the same way we stay geographically balanced. We try to stay balanced in the five purposes. Now, some will say, and some have said, that we as a church, again, we've got a group in Kenya. We support ministries all around the world. And some say, how, how is it that you can send someone to Kenya when we've got need right down the road? Great need, right? And the, the answer to that is, is twofold. First is that's why we balance local, national, international. We are meeting needs of those within our communities. So, so we are addressing the needs within our community. The other is if we, as a church, address local before moving all of local, before moving on to national and international, we would never leave this community. Can you see that there is so much need, so much types of poverty uh, in our community that it's overwhelming when you think about it, isn't it? And, and, and when you think we're going to meet all of this need before we move on outside of our community, 
and then, and then to the ends of the earth, as we're told to do in Scripture, then we would never leave this community. Now, the neat thing about that is, here comes another core value, is we follow the rule, do for one what you can't do for all. Do for one what you can't do for all. We can't meet all of those poverty needs, all different types of poverty needs within our community. We can't meet all of them, but we can meet some of them. And so we do. And the other neat thing about that is that we, as Woodland Hills, are a church in Branson, Missouri. We are a church in our community. And something uh, that we talked about last week, we're going to put this graphic up here again, is that we participate in, in missions around the world, including in our community. Now, how do we do that? As an individual, you are involved with Woodland Hills Family Church, your local church body. And in several different ways, and we're going to talk about these ways in a little bit, several different ways you participate in missions through Woodland Hills. And with that, we work with other local churches, the Big C Church, the Global Church, the Global Followers of Jesus, in order to, to serve all nations. And so it's neat when you think about the other churches in our community and the ministries that they support, the missions that they serve, they're not the same as our list. They're going to be different, and that's a wonderful thing. Because if every church served the same list of missionaries, then there would be that are unserved, right? There would be people groups, there would be cultures, there would be needs that would be unmet. And so that is the strategy with which uh, we carry out our missions here at Woodland Hills. Now, I'll give you a couple of numbers. Uh, number one is uh, that we support 14 ministries on a monthly ongoing basis. Uh, and that uh, is a, a relatively short list. That's a really, relatively small number of ministries. Um, many churches you'll see may have on the order of 100 or more, 200 sometimes, depending on the size of the church, ministries or missionaries that they support. But there are two reasons that we, we have a relatively short list. One is we go big with our support of our missionaries. Our monthly giving, our baseline is $1,000 a month. Whereas many churches uh, might give $75, $100 a month to a missionary, we're at $1,000 a month, and that's the bottom. There are some that are more than that, depending on the organization. And, and the other reason is we don't want a list so long that we can't have relationship with those that we're supporting and those that we're helping serve. Um, because if we can't, then it's just a check and a newsletter. And we don't want a check and a newsletter. We want to know what's going on in your family. We want to know when your family is in crisis, either financially, relationally. We want to pour into that. We want to help you through that. Because we don't want to just send a check and get a newsletter. We want to truly partner with you in your ministry that you're doing. So we have fewer, we're able to go bigger, and we're not stretched too thin. We don't want, like our ministries here at church, we don't want to be a mile wide and an inch deep. Now, in addition to our, our roster of ongoing support, uh, because of that margin that is budgeted, we're able to do some one-time gifts, and we do several of them uh, as needs come up. And uh, one of them uh, that you've heard about even recently is Convoy of Hope. Now, Convoy of Hope is a Christian uh, disaster relief ministry that uh, when you get up in the morning and you see the news feed about a disaster that took place last night and you're just learning about it, Convoy of Hope is already on their way there. Uh, they are based out of here in Springfield. And uh, when you wake up and you see that, that news feed, don't you oftentimes think, is there something that I can do? You, you, see, you see those that are hurting and those that have suffered loss and you're wondering, how can, how can I help? That's why we as a church realize that by the next Sunday, if we decided to get some people together 
throw some people in a truck, send them to wherever this natural disaster was and try to serve. Number one, we wouldn't know what the need is or how to carry that out. But with Convoy of Hope, uh, we often send $20,000, $25,000 checks so that we are funding that truck that is on the way to the disaster. And so we're grateful for Convoy of Hope uh, because we, Woodland Hills, uh, get to go without going. Uh, again, another way that, that your giving and your generosity uh, is used in the ministries of Woodland Hills. Now, a few years ago, uh, we took on um, uh, some missionaries that are in Fiji uh, on our ongoing support, our ongoing roster. And uh, you may be thinking the same thing that I was thinking, because I didn't know much about Fiji. And when I think of Fiji, I think of, of tropical paradise, right? And um, as a matter of fact, when I was wondering, well, I need to learn more about Fiji. So on my Google search, Fiji, a country in the South Pacific, is an archipelago of more than 300 islands. It's famed for rugged landscapes, palm-lined beaches, and coral reefs with clear lagoons. Here am I, Lord. Send me. Right? When you read that description and you think of Fiji, um, you may think of a postcard that looks something like this. And, and it fits the description, right? It's like Fiji, okay, we're supporting missions in Fiji. Well, this is, this is what Fiji is. I mean, isn't that a little, we're talking about poverty, right? Um, and uh, here in Branson, uh, we have postcards too, don't we? Uh, they look a little bit more like this, though. Uh, a little more hillbilly, um, but it's us, isn't it? Uh, attractions and, and shows and outdoor adventures and all kinds of, of different things. This is more like our postcard. And, um, and as, as you look at this, you realize uh, also that there are millions of people that come to Branson every year. And for, for millions of people that come to Branson, this is what Branson is. It's a place to go and have fun, right? Eat a funnel cake. Whatever it is that you do in Branson, get on the lake. And uh, Ray Pittman is one of the, the missionaries, Ray and Laura Pittman, that are in Fiji. And Ray said to me one time when we were talking about this issue, well, Fiji is this tropical paradise. And he says, Travis, you got to remember there are two sides to every postcard. What does he mean by that? Well, this is what the backside of the postcard looks like. It's not so flashy. It's going to likely have an address on there. And from the people that are there, you're going to read about what's going on there. And let's be honest, sometimes the backside of the postcard is pretty ugly, Right? As those that live and work in the community of Branson, where, where many travel here and they, they see that flashy redneck postcard, that's what they think. You and I know that, that you don't have to take uh, too many turns off of the strip to see the many types of poverty that we have all around us. As a matter of fact, you don't have to leave the strip or any attraction. You can just see it in the eyes of those that live and work um, in the community, even in the, the attractions. And that struck a chord with me. Because we see a lot of tourists, we have our postcards, and we realize the backside of the postcard. And so when we think of places like Fiji, we, we then realize, wow, there, there's a backside of a postcard at Fiji. And, and anywhere else that, that, that may seem like a neat place to be, a neat place to live, a neat place to visit. And so the Pittmans live there, and they, um, they minister uh, to the local communities, which uh, are largely Hindu, and um, they 
work through the schools doing tutoring programs and uh, ministering to young kids, after school tutoring programs. And the neat thing about the Pittmans is that in this community where the, the schools that they're going into are largely Hindu, right across the street from the Hindu temple, they get to go into this school and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. They, they get to feed into the spiritual poverty of these young people that may have never even heard the name of Christ, that, that, that can learn the, the need that they have uh, in Christ and, and the salvation that they can receive through him. They also have uh, Oasis Farm that they uh, serve the physical needs of some of the residents there, teaching them uh, certain uh, farming methods and also, again, under the umbrella of preaching the gospel of Christ, making sure they know 1 Peter 5, 3, the reason for the hope that is in them and the reason that they want uh, to serve these people. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the ways that we engage uh, missions on different levels and ba- basically different types of missions that, uh, that, that we do. Number one, you've heard about a couple of them, and that's our ongoing roster, our ongoing support. Um, after that, we have vision trips that we occasionally um, uh, assist financially in people going on, and then we have short-term trips. And so let's talk about each of those. First of all, with, uh, with our ongoing support, as we provide support to the people that are in these places doing ministry, they know the culture, they know the communities, they know the best way to communicate, they know the heart of the people that are there. And so when we give, we have relationship with them and we know what's going on, but we're not going to micromanage the ministry that they're doing. Uh, one of those examples uh, is the True Loves. Uh, Austin and Kaylee, y'all may remember a few years ago, we sent them from within our church. They um, are, are in Percy, Haiti, and this is Austin and Kaylee and their seven kids. And um, uh, Percy is the hometown that, that Austin grew up in. He was a child of uh, missionary parents, and so they have gone uh, there to live and, and to minister uh, there. Now, Austin and Kaylee know the culture. They know the community, and we don't. Many of you are like me. Uh, you're from uh, the Ozarks, right? I, I grew up in the sticks of Taney County, and, and I know the people. I know the community here. Uh, we, we know different things about it, that like catching crawdads in the creek is a spiritual discipline. Various things of our community, they know their community that way. So we want them to pour into those people and them to reach those people the best that they can because they're going to be able to be more effective that way. Another uh, missionary that we support, that you support, uh, through Project Hope, an organization out of Springfield, Missouri, uh, that uh, Travis and Tammy Stearns work with. Now, Travis and Tammy are originally from southwest Missouri, And they felt a calling to go about 11 years ago and live in Nicaragua. They had gone on a short-term trip there and were drawn to move and live there. Their passion is uh, for the dump in Managua, Nicaragua, the capital city of Nicaragua. And the first time that Tammy visited there, she saw this scene. um, And and you can see why she would be drawn uh, to that uh, because of the need that is there. Um, and, and as you drive, uh, the, the, the drive back there, this is like the, the, the back end of the dump where the, the trucks come in and they dump the refuse. And the drive back there, you see houses lining the dump. Why would anyone live in a dump? And, and, and first of all, houses being sticks and tarps and boards and anything they can find to make a shelter of some kind. Why would you live there? Because this is where leftover food, clothing is thrown away, 
other tools or things that they might be able to use. And this is the scene all day, everything from the elderly to the very young, digging through the trash just to survive. Now, Tammy's heart especially is for young girls that are in this, uh, in this setting. Uh, reason being, she came to learn that by the time they're 12 years old, most girls in the dump, by the time you're tw they're 12 years old, will either be pregnant or in a relationship with an adult male. And I, I, I say relationship in air quotes for a reason. And her heart is, is for these young girls to know the value that they have in Christ. To, to learn who they are in him. And to know that that, that is not his desire for what, what they should be doing and what they should be in. And the life that they should have to live. And, and, and through discipleship and education, uh, she, she feeds into these, these girls and, and, and helps raise them up knowing their value, giving them an education, and, and, and some of them even going on to high school. You see, most uh, young people in the dump only are educated to the third through fifth grade level, knowing that an education can help raise them up out of that situation, and even one in college right now. In Woodland Hills, that is what you do when you give. You support Tammy and Travis Stearns, uh, feeding into these young people. They, they have so many ministries other than that that they do. Uh, there is a prostitution ministry where they help women uh, understand, again, their value and show them uh, God's desire for their life. And that's the Stearns. Next is vision trips. So that was a couple of our ongoing supported missionaries. We have vision trips. And vision trips are different from short-term trips in that we would consider that almost like a, a summertime, a two- or three-month a trip where someone maybe they've gone before and they feel a calling to go back and spend maybe an entire summer or a chapter of their life there. And uh, we encourage that because we, we think that, that that may be for some uh, a step into moving full-time uh, into missions. And so financially we do come alongside uh, folks and, and support in that because we want to encourage that. And then last is short-term trips. First of all, we believe that everyone should take a short-term missions trip at some point in their life. Uh, it uh, is something that we as a church don't directly support financially for the individual. Again, we're a growing church. We're a large church, 2,500 people on campus again last week. Uh, altogether, about 4,000 that attend regularly. So practically speaking and financially speaking, we can't send every single person on a short-term trip. But you as a church participate in the short-term trips by subsidizing things uh, like paying for building materials and medical supplies and things uh, that the short-term trips uh, participate in, which is what most of the short-term trips are going to be doing, service of some kind, evangelizing of some kind. Now, why is it that we think everyone should do one? Because uh, it is good for the edification and the maturity of the believer. If you go on a short-term trip, you will return home changed. It will change you. The first time that you see some of the poverty you didn't know existed, not just material poverty, but all kinds of poverty, you will be changed. Now, we do believe that short-term trips are a privilege of, of sorts. And, and, and uh, the reason being that more than 99% of people that come back from a short-term mission trip, particularly the first one, say this line, I was blessed more than those I went to bless. I was blessed more than those I went to bless. We see the pattern over and over and over. Now, I want to introduce to you an, another one of our supported ministries, Cross International, that is in the southern peninsula of Haiti. In 2010, there was a large earthquake that hit uh, 
at the epicenter of a town called Laogon in south, the South Peninsula of Haiti um, and caused mass destruction and death. Cross International reached out to us through another ministry partner asking if we would help them in uh, rebuilding one of their schools. They have 18 divine shelter schools across uh, the, the country of Haiti and they asked if we would help rebuild one and then provide ongoing support uh, so that that school could be sustained. And so we did in 2010, some of you remember, we, we raised $100,000, sent it for the construction of it, and, and to this day provide ongoing funds for uh, teacher salaries um, and for supplies and things for the school. Now something that's neat is we discovered that uh, through that, uh, 75% of the students that attend that school, uh, when they get their lunch meal at the school, that is the only meal, 75% of them, that's the only meal they'll eat that day. And so we said, well, what about summertime? because they have a similar summer uh, time schedule like we do here in the States. And so we've partnered with others to provide a feeding program so that those students can still come back to the school and get that meal uh, that they won't miss out on uh, because of ongoing support and what Woodland Hills is doing. Um, I wanna give you a couple examples of what I mean by you will come back changed or you will be blessed by, uh, more than those that you went to serve. See, we went in 2011 to follow up as a church, we took a group uh, to follow up uh, to initiate the construction. And then in 2012, I got to go with the group and, uh, and to visit. And I, we, I took our eight-year-old son, Jameson, uh, with us. And uh, you have to look hard, but you might be able to tell which one Jameson is. Uh, so the, the thing that struck me uh, about that, because I had never been to Haiti. I knew that it was the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. I knew there was horrible material poverty. The thing that struck me is, as we talk about those different kinds of poverty, I, I would say they, they, they suffer uh, from emotional poverty much less than we do. The smiles on their faces, the joy of the Lord that just shone through their countenance, the way that they welcomed, the way that they loved. And I was blessed by that, uh, realizing uh, that you don't have to have material goods uh, to have emotional health and joy. And that was a blessing to me. And something else, so uh, they were continuing the construction around the school, and they were working on a wall. And so Jameson, again, he's, he was eight at the time, and he kind of wanders over and is kind of getting in their business there. And I felt bad because they're trying to work. The local workers are building this wall. And I said, I'm so sorry. I said, I'll get him out of your way. And through translators, they said, no, no, no. They said, we want him here. I said, well, isn't, isn't he slowing you down? And in, in, in their words, they said, when a young person in our culture is interested in working, we want to feed into that. Like, I think we've got something to learn <laughs> from the Haitians, right? And that was a blessing to me because when we're, when we're working, when we're doing something, mom, dad, and our kids come along, I want to I help, right? Um, what do we do? Well, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. Whereas they, they taught me the lesson that, no, this is, this is your opportunity to teach young people how to work, how to do things. And so that was a blessing to me. And so we encourage you to go. Every single one of us should go at some point on a short-term trip to begin with. And then for some of you, you'll be changed and you'll come back. And guess what you're going to want to do? You're going to want to go again. And then for some of you, after you go again, you're going to do what? You're going to go again and again and again and again. You just can't get enough. And we have those people in our church. One of them is uh, Bobette Lee that uh, just recently got back from Nicaragua. And she has been uh, to Nicaragua, I think, seven or eight times, she said. She's been to various other countries. She and I went to uh, Haiti. She was on that Haiti trip. Um, 
And uh, no one has a bigger heart for the people of Nicaragua than Bobette Lee, I can tell you that. And uh, she continues to go back. She just got back because through Project Hope, she went and, and worked a couple days with, with Tammy uh, in uh, the, the training center teaching these, these girls and these women. Um, and she also participated in a soccer tournament. This is something they do every year, Project Hope does. Soccer, as you can imagine, particularly in those countries, really draws in a crowd. You tell them, we're going to have a soccer tournament. And so it, it drew in thousands of people for the soccer tournament. And, and by the way, you, you, Woodland Hills, provided funds which bought soccer balls for that soccer tournament through Project Hope. And, and, and as that, look, look, at, look at this, in those, those wheels that turn, right? Your giving goes to Project Hope, and we gave extra for soccer balls for this soccer tournament. And at this soccer tournament with thousands of people, 504 people placed faith in Christ for the first time. Right. You do for one what you can't do for all. Now, missions is not a tier system of Christianity. We don't believe that those who do missions and go on multiple trips and, and serve, maybe even moving over full time, uh, are, are in, in some way uh, more saved. Uh, again, it's, it's not, not that you, and as you, as you hear this today, don't hear that you're being shamed into not participating more in missions, overseas missions, because we each have a part to play in the ministries of Woodland Hills Family Church. And 1 Corinthians 12 takes us there, starting in verse 12. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. And if you go on in that passage, we read about what if the eye said, I'm not an ear, so I'm, I'm of no worth, and so on. And so we understand that each of us has a part to play. And so the question is, what role does God have for you to play? Where does God want you? My good friend T.R. Lewis says, in order to get to where you need to be, you have to be led. In order to be led, you have to be submitted. As Christians, we often say, I, I want to be in the Lord's will for my life. I want to be where the Lord wants me. That's kind of starting at the end, if you think about it, with what TR is saying here. And this just doesn't apply to missions. I mean, this can be career change. This can be school choice. This can be moving to another town, any number of things. I want to be where the Lord wants me. Well, the question is, are you being led by the Lord? Because in order to be led by the Lord, you have to be submitted to the Lord. So may we submit to the Lord so that we can be led by the Lord, so that we can be where the Lord wants us. I want to introduce one more missionary couple to you, a family, Chris and Lauren Minor. Uh, they serve in Southeast Asia, and they are a couple that moved from Branson uh, 10 years ago and felt a call in their life uh, to minister there, where uh, it is largely a population of a different religious persuasion. And I'm choosing my words carefully because we have to be careful about divulging location and, and ministry work because as you may know it can be a dangerous thing if you're going into a foreign land and proclaiming the name of Christ. And so that was them when they left, and now um, here they are. Uh, their family has grown, um, and a uh, wonderful couple that uh, felt the leading of the Lord, that was submitted to the Lord, the Lord led them, and that place, I almost said it, that place is where he wants them. And, and we're grateful for that ministry. Here's a picture, uh, just kind of a collage of what they do. Their ministry is, is for training uh, and discipling those who go. So they are goers who are training goers. 
and, and talk about an efficiency of ministry in the Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. They're making disciples who are making disciples who will make disciples. Making sure to take the, the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And for you, if that's something you've considered before, it may be daunting. It may be daunting even thinking about going on a short-term trip. Um, Sometimes I ponder uh, what it feels like, maybe as a toddler, like a 16-month-old that's walking along, maybe walking where they shouldn't, and you go as an adult and you pick that baby up. What if, if, what if we had someone that was four times our size that could do that to us? Wouldn't that be weird? I, these are the things that go through my head. I'm sorry. It'd be weird, right? But, but along with that, my wife Carrie says, you know what's interesting is when we go somewhere, you put that baby in the pumpkin seat and just take off. That baby's okay with it or your toddler, you pick them up and you take them, you may be going to an airport to go somewhere. They have no idea where you're going. But, but why is that okay for them? Because you're with them. See, God's not going to lead you somewhere to do something and take you like this by the hand, which I get this picture in my head, this little girl looking down. She's with maybe grandpa or some elder man in her life. She's not even looking where they're going. She just, I'm just going with you. Right? Isn't that what God wants? And he's going to lead you, and wherever he takes you, he's not going to drop you off and say, good luck. He's there with you on a short-term trip if you, if you go, if you go again, or if you go to stay. Luke 18, 17 says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Faith like a child, right? However, God is calling you to be involved. How is he calling you to be involved? Number one, maybe to give. Again, your giving goes to so many wonderful things here at Woodland Hills. Calling you to pray. Pray for our missionaries and those that do go. Maybe he's calling you to go. Or go again. Or go to stay. And church, wherever God calls you to be, submit to him so that he can lead you, so that you will be where he wants you to be. And remember, no matter where you are, in Branson, around the country, around the world, uh, wherever you see, just know that there are two sides of the postcard wherever you are. There's need. There are marginalized people that need for us to go and make disciples of all nations. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're grateful for this church and the ministry that's done through it. We're grateful for the generosity of this church so that ministry can be done in ways that it is. We pray for uh, the group in Kenya and for their safe return, for those that decide to go, for those that decide to go again and again, Lord and for those that decide to go and stay, that you would be with them and you would uh, help them to serve while taking your gospel to the world. We love you and we give you praise. In Christ's name, everyone agreed and said, amen. amen. We love